0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Hebrews. Now you'll hear me call it the book of Hebrews, the Epistle, the Letter. It's still Hebrews and all thirteen chapters. Now we are ready to read chapter two of Hebrews. Now but before we do that, we need to remember in chapter one of Hebrews that um, the writer here is establishing that Jesus is in. Uh, a place of all authority above the angels, and that he is—he has completed his work and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. And I'm not sure why he needed to establish this, but obviously he did. The writer felt they needed to establish the fact that Jesus is in a place of all authority above the angels. Um, it could be that there were other people teaching other things you know you know how that was a that's been a theme through most all of Paul's letters that um, other people have been mis you know, teaching incorrectly so so that's what he's establishing here in chapter 1 that Jesus is above the angels and has sat down at the right hand of the father and has all authority over the angels and, and thus over everything Really? So then we start in chapter 2 and verse 1. Now I am reading from the Amplified Bible. For this reason, now that refers back to all of chapter (laughs) 1. For this reason, that is because of God's final revelation in his son Jesus and because of Jesus' superiority to the angels, we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard, so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth. What is the truth? The gospel of the Lord Jesus. That's, That's the truth. For if the message given through angels, the law given to Moses, was authentic and unalterable, and every violation and disobedient act received an appropriate penalty, how will we escape the penalty if we ignore such a great revelation, you know, the gospel, the new covenant? Now here, making a reference back and a comparison to, which we've seen Paul make these types of comparisons to, between the law and the gospel of Jesus. Now the law here, I think there's a tradition here. Let me look, there is a note here. It was a tradition in Judaism that angels whom the Jews highly regarded had an important role in God's giving of the law to Moses. Now, that's a Jewish tradition I want you to understand. When we, the Lord willing, when we get to the Old Testament and we read through the accounts, we will see if if the angels are mentioned. I, I'm not really sure. I don't remember the angels being mentioned, but it has been a long time since I've read that uh, specifically. So, okay. But that was their tradition that the angels played an important part. And you'll notice that it also, this is just a little note in the Amplified that also the Jews highly regarded angels. Well, angels were the messengers of God. so um, And in those days, back then, it was not uncommon for angels to be about in the world. So it, it was, uh, I think it was a lot more meaningful uh, then, nonetheless since uh, that was authentic the law was authentic and unalterable and every violation and disobedient act received penalty you know how would we escape penalty then if we ignore our new government our go- our new covenant i'm sorry our new covenant our new you know our new gospel our new version of what it's our new testament it's our new covenant with god how if we ignore that how are we Going to escape, you know, the punishment. We're not. That's how we're not. We need to make sure that we're following the New Covenant, the New Testament, so that we don't have to worry about the punishment. Okay, so I'm going to continue on. For it was spoken at first by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us and proved authentic by those who personally heard him speak. And besides this evidence, God also testifying with them, confirming the message of salvation, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles carried out by Jesus and the apostles, and by granting to believers the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. So here, God proved and backed up and verified the claims of Jesus and the apostles through signs and wonders the miracles that's how that's how that was backed up and proved they did not have the Bible the way we have it today and they had to do everything they did have some scrolls and things but they also had to do a lot by word of mouth and by oral teaching so but their their teaching was confirmed through the signs and the miracles that they performed ...that God performed through them, really. You know, it was the power of God. So, Alright, so... ...in verse 5, now that's just the first four verses. So, it's going to take some time for us to track through this... ...but I think it's worthwhile. So, verse 5, it was not to angels... ...that God subjected the inhabited world of the future... ...when Christ reigns, about which we are speaking... But one has solemnly testified somewhere in scripture, saying, What is a man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you graciously care for him? You have made him for a little while lower in status than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, confirming his supremacy, now in putting all things in subjection to man, he left nothing outside his control. But at present, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Now there is a bit of a comparison kind of going on here. And we'll we'll kind of get to that. The Here he's really referring more to man being us in general, that men were Here and that the earth is subject to men, and that um, we were to inhabit and kind of rule and take over uh, the earth, you know. Okay, so then, but then, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while by taking on the limitations of humanity, crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering of death so that by the grace of God, extended to sinners, he might experience death for the sins of everyone. So, the kind of, a little bit of a comparison here, in that Jesus became, you know, God become a man in the flesh, you know, and so he humbled and lowered himself to our status of being a little lower than the angels, and yet he has been crowned with glory and honor because of uh, his suffering and because of his death and his resurrection. For it was fitting for God, that is an act worthy of his divine nature, that he, for whose sake are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the author and founder of their salvation perfect through suffering, Bring into maturity the human experience necessary for him to be perfectly equipped for his office as high priest. Both Jesus who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified, that is spiritually transformed, made holy, and set apart for God's purpose, are all from one Father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So, making the point that we are all from God the Father. Jesus is our older brother, and he is the first begotten. Well, he's the only begotten in that sense, but he's the first of us in a true spiritual sense. He's the first. And he is our older brother. And you'll notice he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters or brethren. Or family, if you prefer to think of that. Saying, I will declare your, the Father's name, to my brethren, believers, in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, he says, my trust and confident hope will be placed in him. Now, these are two Old Testament uh, scriptures. But they are in regards to Here he's, these are in regards to Jesus. And again, here I am, I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since these his children share in flesh and blood, the physical nature of mankind, he himself in a similar manner also shared in the same physical nature, but without sin, so that through experiencing death, he might make powerless, ineffective, impotent, him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now notice, I want to notice the tense that we're, that we're saying this here. Jesus came, you know, God in the flesh, you know, made himself as one of us, but without sin, so that through experiencing death, he would make powerless. He, he died this, this sinful death. We'll say he took our punishment and he took our pain and our, well, well, they say sorrow and woe. He took, he took everything, our sins and all that guilt and all that upon him, and died with that, so that he might make powerless him who had the power of death—that is the devil. He took the power that Satan had up to that point away from him, so. Notice he says, him who had, had, past tense, the power of death. That is the devil. Satan no longer has that power. That power has returned to, actually to us. We decide in our lives, we choose God, we choose life, or we choose else. Else, everything else is death. So that's our choice, and that's the choice we make that choice, that power, has been returned to us. So, let me continue on. Um, Okay, so him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So he, well, let's go back. He might make powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And that he might free all those who, through the haunting fear of death, were held in slavery throughout their lives. So, all, you know, everyone up until that point was held in slavery through the fear of death, and through basically, you know, that power of sin over them, and knowing that dying would not, would not, you know, is not necessarily uh, now when you're a Christian. When you die, you know that's actually that's moving on to heaven. That's a good thing. You're moving on to paradise. You're moving on to. Uh, a good thing. It's like Paul said, to die and to leave here is gain, you know, so. Alright, so. For, as we all know, he, Christ, does not take hold of the fallen angels to give them a helping hand, but he does take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham, extending to them his hand of deliverance. So, Again, making the example that Jesus does not help the angels, but he helps the descendants of Abraham. He helps the children of God. These, these, these angels, the fallen angels, um, I'm not sure of how that, is, how that works or how that's going to work out for them, but um, Christ did not come to save them. I guess they have made their choice, and they, I guess knowingly they made that choice. I I wasn't even, you know, I'm not even sure how to think about that for them. I don't know their, again, their condition, their circumstances. So therefore, it was essential that he had to be made like his brothers, mankind. In other words, he had to become human like us in every respect, so that he might experience... He might by experience become a merciful and faithful high priest in things related to God to make atonement, propitiation, propitiation, I have, I have problems with that sometimes, for the people's sins, therefore wiping away the sin, satisfying divine justice, and providing a way of reconciliation between God and mankind. Because he himself and his humanity has suffered in being tempted, He is able to help and provide media assistance to those who are being tempted and exposed to suffering. So, this is referring to, of course, that Jesus, God in the flesh, God had to become, you know, he had to become man so that he could, um, by experiencing what we experience, he could really become a merciful and faithful high priest. So that Jesus being that that high priest, that, that faithful and merciful high priest, he can represent us and provide assistance to those who are being tempted. He is able to help and provide assistance to those who are being tempted and exposed to suffering and those who are suffering. Because he has suffered and he has been tempted. He was tempted in every way like we are. And yet, he was sinless, but he knows what it is to be tempted, so he understands. And that makes him able to be merciful and to be understanding and to help, help us help us to resist our temptations and to help us uh, be cleansed of our, our sins when we, when we fall into temptation and we, we mess up and we, we uh, do the wrong thing. Because he does understand, he understands our condition. So that is all of chapter two. So, in the, if we look at it this way, the first chapter was about establishing Jesus and his authority. And the second chapter is really more about establishing how he is our, he's, it's just the first part, of course, I guess. Um, I haven't, haven't read ahead to chapter three, but, um, it is, um, Basically, in this chapter, he's establishing that Jesus is our high priest and he is able to be our high priest and to, you know, make atonement and be a propitiation for our sins, you know, wiping away and washing away our sins by taking our punishment upon him. He was able to do that because he became. He lowered himself and humbled himself to be human like we are and to go through those temptations and those trials the same as we have. So, chapter 1 establishing his authority, chapter 2 establishing his place as our high priest who understands and has been tempted as we are and understands our condition. So, that's how I'm going to say that. Alright, so that is the end of chapter 2. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. The Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.